want to live an inspired and fulfilling life. Maybe there are a few things that you need to get you there. Welcome to What Matters with your host, Mary Beth Lodge. In today's world of distractions, we can get overwhelmed with day-to-day responsibilities that keep us busy, frustrated, and confused. With an emphasis on the power of the mind and drawing on the fields of personal health, education, neuroscience, business, and spirituality, we'll discuss practical strategies to help you stay focused on your priorities, choices, and results. Now, here is Mary Beth Lodge. Good morning. How are you today? Thank you for joining me today on What Matters. Today is an opportunity for you to make a difference in your world. Can you do that? Can you find a way to make a positive difference in the world that you live in? Can you make a change inside yourself that carries ripples of positive change in the lives of those around you and well beyond? Do you know that no matter what change you make inside of yourself, it reverberates through the lives of the people around you? And no matter how small, it makes a difference. So, for this hour, take the time and really listen. Pay attention. You've created the world you live in. How can you change the things that you want to change? And how do you apply the message today to you? Not your significant other, your best friend, your child, your parent, or your coworker. Just you. Yep, you can share information with other people. And we do hope you share today's show. But ultimately, you are the only person you can really change. You are the person that you are responsible for, and you are the person that can truly make a difference. Not by telling other people what to do, but by taking action in the world and within you. And by creating and attracting more positive light. Yeah, I know, you're busy. We're all busy. And in fact, if you lead a busy life the way I lead a busy life, you like being busy. And that's fine. As long as busy doesn't mean distracted. As long as you're not walking away from your goals instead of towards your goals. So do you take for granted the people in your life and the actions that you take that are most important to you? Are you spending your energy on things that don't really matter? What are the choices that you make in your world? How do you spend your time? Okay, so let's start. How do you touch the lives of the people you meet? How do you create sunshine wherever you are? What are you grateful for today? I want you to look around your world and see the many blessings that enfold you. This morning is a beautiful, cool morning. My walk was so refreshing. And it is the first day of school in my town. And I saw little ones gathering for the bus this morning, all eager and joyful. And I was reflecting on how grateful I am for the opportunity for learning, things that perhaps we take for granted. I also had a wonderful week and a weekend filled with opportunities for learning, for friendship, for service, and for sharing joys with many people, some new to me, some I'd never met before, many that I knew. And it was a wonderful and beautiful weekend. Our guest this morning is a result of that wonderful weekend. Born in Liberia in 1981 and raised there till the families escaped to the Ivory Coast in 1999, Q. Carmu attended grade school at St. Martin's Catholic School until he and the war made it impossible. He moved and settled into Providence, Rhode Island in the U.S. following the escape from the refugee camp in the Ivory Coast and attended grade school 
in Providence, later moving to Worcester, Massachusetts, and attending high school there. After high school, he received a scholarship from the Christian Herder Foundation, along with a Congressional Art Scholarship to attend the Savannah School of Art and Design. After obtaining a Bachelor of Fine Art degree um, in graphic design in 2006, he worked as a graphic designer and gained a passion for photography during a trip with his mother and father to Liberia. Art became entwined by documenting several organizations that were supportive towards his parents' efforts in Liberia. Q has authored a book called Witness, and it is an incredible, powerful statement of the children that were orphaned and harmed during the Civil War in Liberia. Q, good morning. Welcome to the show. Good morning, Mary Beth. Uh, thank you for the opportunity. You're very welcome. Q, I, um, I could not put this book down. And um, both, there, there are so many things in this book, and I'm, I'm not even sure where to start with it. I just know that we have so much ground to cover here. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you. Thank you for the compliment. So, Q, start us off with um, kind of the, the beginning of this whole process when, as a child, Growing up in Liberia. Well, um, first of all, thank you again. Thank you for uh, the opportunity and thank God for um, this show. Growing up in Liberia, uh, Liberia, like um, um, many countries in Africa, um, unlike many countries in Africa, let me put it like that, uh, was not... Um, like a lot of different, uh, like a lot of countries around um, Africa, because Liberia was colonized by the United States, and uh, so my childhood was much like um, a normal child growing up here in the United States, um, until um, a civil war came in and destroyed a lot of my childhood. Um, you know, I, I have a mother and a father, and I have five siblings. And we lived a normal life. I uh, went to uh, a private school when I was little. And uh, life was good. Life was, was, was just normal um, at the time when I was growing up. So um, going through that process was, was, was reflecting back and looking at my life during that time. Um, obviously, it was the good times, was the, the time that I had um, to remember um, the good things that of my life when I started off, um, you know, when I had opportunity to, to, to grow up in Liberia until the Civil War obviously came and into my country and took all that away. How old were you when the Civil War started? I was uh, seven and a half, going to eight years old when the Civil War started in, in my country. Mm-hmm. And there was there was kind of a dramatic moment there when everything just came crashing down. Your father was out of the country. Yeah. My father was out of the country. Um, during that time, he, he had left to come to the United States on a business trip. Um, they had a small pharmacy in the community that I lived in, and they supplied medication to a, a lot of the people there. 
Um, and he had got his first opportunity to travel to the United States, and it was a pretty big deal. And, uh, of course, our whole family was uh, very excited for that um, travel because he, he was being exposed to new words, and hopefully uh, the business was going to expand um, even more because he was going to bring a, a lot more medication back to that community. And uh, unfortunately, what happened that nobody saw coming was the, the Civil War. Um, as When he got here, uh, three months later, uh, the war um, took place and started off in Liberia. So he was pretty much trapped here in the States. And my mother was uh, then left with five of us to try to make ends meet so that we can uh, uh, escape the war. And the war was literally right there. I mean, it wasn't yeah. someplace far away. It was happening all around you. Definitely. Um, the war, as we as the war started to come um, from the rural places in Liberia, we we then um, escaped to try to. We left our hometown and and went to Monrovia, anticipating that um, we would be protected by the government. Uh, because the rebel forces was coming from uh, the rural places in Liberia towards where we were living. So we decided to go to Monrovia. But um, that really was not a good move because uh, as we anticipated to be protected by the government at the time, um, the government was also turning against the people because uh, most of the people were, 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 most of the rebels were disguised as people. So um, so we were caught in between two wars, really. You know, we had no uh, nobody to liberate us. <laughs> Our government was not for us. The rebels was, was killing um, people innocently. So um, people had to literally, uh, we had to turn back from Monrovia, go back another two to 300 miles back to where we came from. And you so were doing this on foot. We Well, we, we drove to Monrovia, but then... Uh, um, while we were there, we, we had to uh, escape on foot until we, we halfway through our journey before we, we, we were blessed enough to get into a car to, uh, to, 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 to go back to, to our hometown. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then you also then had to make your way out of the country from your hometown. Yes. Um, so I guess it, in explaining what took place um, when we left Monrovia, we, uh, first of all, let me just go back to where we were in Monrovia. We were hiding out at a church, um, uh, Gay Town Church of Christ, it's called in Monrovia. And, uh, while we were there, my mother, uh, made plans that we leave because for the most part, we were hiding out in a, um, in a place where the government has started to go around in different, to different churches. And literally break into churches and, and massacre people. Um, and they were breaking into homes, killing people. Um, so with this news, my mother decided that being in that church at the time was not a good idea because sooner than later, um, we would be killed because first of all, we, we had no food. We had, uh, we were running low on water. Um, so our only choice was to take a chance to try to escape the church. When she made that decision, um, a lot of people at the church did not agree with her. They, they thought she was crazy. Um, here's a mother who was taking five kids, 
from a safe, I guess, what people thought would be a safe church um, into a war zone. It's like sending your kids to war. So she took us uh, and decided that I was the right choice. Um, and of course, um, she was a praying woman. She, she felt like everything that, that, sh- that she was made to do was divine uh, from God. So she assembled us together and we were able to um, take the first journey to try to leave the church. Um, I, I remember it was uh, about 3 or 4 a.m. that morning when we had to leave uh, from the church and, and start our journey and really going into war. Um, and as we approached our first intersection into the Monrovia, into the city of Monrovia, uh, we had our first encounter of war. Uh, we got trapped in an ambush between government soldiers and rebels and um, decided to shoot at each other. And we were in the middle of everything. That was our first time ever experiencing the war as we tried to escape. And of course, at that point, our family had, was scattered. People was getting shot. Everybody was, was bodies were being, you know, was, was falling left to right, um, you know, around us. Um, and as we went through this process, um, it was terrifying, of course, you know, for a mother who has made this decision to take her kids out of this church. Um, it was also terrifying for all of us. My little brother at the time was only um, two years old. Um, I had uh, three other siblings um, who we all ranged from the, from the ages of two to 11 years old, hanging on one mother. Um, and I explained in the book, and get a chance to read it, um, this process that took place. And my mom became heroic because she managed to pull all of us together, uh, even in the midst of all the shooting that was going on, assembled us, and we went back to the church. And that was a hard decision. Um, of course, we had no place else to go but back to this church. People that were at this church were, um, they were, you know, obviously telling us you shouldn't have left. But my mother was so strong-willed and so protective, um, driven by God. I really believe that. Um, at this point that she turned around and said, you know what? We're going to leave again tomorrow. So, I mean, that, that was just another decision, decision after decisions that she made for us to try to escape this war was, was tremendous every time. And the next day, we, she got us packed up again, and people really thought she was crazy. Um, and uh, we were uh, back into war again. And this time, we took a different route to try to escape Monrovia. But as God would have it, we escaped um, out of Monrovia and got on our way and went to, pretty much walked through bushes and, and, um, rural places to try to leave. Um, but our struggle will continue because, um, along the way coming from Monrovia to my hometown of Banga, there were checkpoints all along the way that rebel soldiers had set up, um, that we had to go through. And, uh, so those experiences are, are, are just starting from the church um, in, in Monrovia was, was something that was, was phenomenal that, that we were able to leave and do that. Well, you know, I can't even imagine how your mother, I mean, what you document in your book in terms of the decisions she made and just the power that 
she used to keep all of you safe, to keep you alive, to keep you fed to the best that she could, and to get you out of that country in such a, um, a chaotic time and a dangerous time. And I, I can't even imagine how she stayed within herself uh, so committed to that. And, and obviously people around her saying, you know, you're nuts, stay here, don't, don't leave, it's not safe. Um, and, you know, the nights that she was alone and uh, in conversation only with God, she had no other adult <laughs> to mm-hmm. bounce ideas off of. Um, and, you know, her fierce commitment to keeping all of you safe as best she could in a, in a time that was totally unsafe. Definitely. And I think that's, that's what uh, grounded us uh, children. That, that This is one reason why I'm not crazy today. <laughs> and mm-hmm. My siblings are now running around um, laying in you know, hands mm-hmm. of psychologists and, and trying to figure out what's going on with our brain. Because our mother was really our first-hand psychologist. She, she prayed things into existence. I mean, as we approach checkpoints she 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 was you could tell how confident she was we were all scared she was scared too but she never showed us one you know that that she was afraid mm-hmm. uh, as much as fear was everything we saw around us um their bodies and, and people's um body parts being used um at checkpoints um you know for a child looking at that that's 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 very traumatic but mom would Always, we're always praying with us, and um, and and just leading us through. Mm-hmm. So her important to us was absolutely crucial. She was she was our beacon. She you know she, um, and the woman is incredible. Let's just put it like that. <laughs> yes, she is. She absolutely is. Okay, there is a story that I want you to tell us, but we um, we need to take a break before. Um, you go into that story. So um, I, I think we're, we're going to do that now. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, um, I want you to tell us that story of kind of that decision point for your mother that was something that every mother hopes yeah. never to face. Okay? Thank you. Mm-hmm. You're listening to the Voice America Variety Channel. Stay tuned. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Are you ready to make a change in your life? Would you like to discover the hidden obstacles to your success? Mary Beth Lodge is a certified life coach with a proven track record of guiding others to success. Drawing on mind-body techniques and concepts of neuroscience, Mary Beth will design a program specific to your goals, lifestyle, and personality. You'll develop a specific action plan to follow. You'll learn practical and easy strategies to move through your obstacles and reach your goals. You decide the area to focus on. Is it your weight, your health, or your professional goals? Mary Beth Lodge is a life coach, hypnotist, and health consultant. She specializes in working with people who are confused, frustrated, or discouraged by the direction of their life. She works with people who really want to make a difference in this world and are willing to take the actions to achieve their goals. She'll help you get clear on where you want to be and to follow through on the actions that lead to a healthier and more successful life. Visit LastingLifestyleChange.com to request more information or a free consultation. 
Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to What Matters with Mary Beth Lodge. To be a part of our discussion on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to marybethlodge at gmail.com. Now, back to What Matters. Good morning. Thank you for joining me this morning. Our guest is Q. Carmue. He is um, an author of a book called Witness, and it's a Civil War experience from a child's perspective. Q., you were talking with us about your experiences um, as a as a young boy, as eight years old, and the incredible power and uh, just the fierce protectiveness of your mother. Um, there is a story in your book that just, I, I think, would stop the heart of every mother. But I want you to tell it. Uh, I, I don't want every mother's heart to stop. Because <laughs> mothers are, are very crucial. And, and, and mine was certainly and still remains certainly uh, to be crucial to not only me, but so many other kids. Mm-hmm. Um, but as I was explaining earlier, mom became our beacon of hope. She was the, the warrior, in a, in a, you know, for us that, that was keeping us the peace warrior that was keeping us uh, safe. As you can imagine, a two-year-old, my little brother, who she was carrying on her back uh, consistently to this wall, um, and I was just clinging onto her hands. My little sister at the time was, again, five years old, and I was uh, about seven years old. Uh, my older brother, who was about 10, and my little, my older sister was 11. Um, we were all huddled up in this, around mom, and she, and she, when she made a step left, we made a step left. Um, so we clung on to her so, so much that, um, if she looked worried, as worried as we were, we felt like we were going to die. Um, so as we approached going through these different checkpoints, we were being interrogated by rebels. We were being, we, we had left the government part of the city, which was, they were occupied in Monrovia. Outside of Monrovia, the worry, the rebels had pushed their, their way all the way up to, uh, borderline um, into uh, uh, Monrovia on the borders of Monrovia, but as we escaped on foot, we were facing another nightmare, which was the, the rebels. They were not um, your your regular soldiers. They were rebels. They were kids who were medicated on drugs uh, with AK-47s and did not thought killing people was fun. They took pride in doing that, and in such a way that they, they when they kill somebody, they, they took their, their their either cut a head off or cut part of their body parts and kept it as a trophy. And this is kind of my madness that we had to uh, escape from. So, as we went through these different checkpoints, um, mom again kept us steady until we got to one of the checkpoints that we had to go through the lines to get interrogated. And the interrogation was really, uh, the rebels were were fiercely interrogating people to make sure that they were not uh, part of a, cer- a, tri- a certain type of tribal group. They were not uh, um, 
they did not have money when they went before the war because the rebels were against anybody that was wealthy that had a little bit of a livelihood. Um, they were against people who were successful. They, they did not, um, uh, they, they were just against that whole mentality of, of that the government had enough but did not share with everybody else. So they blame anybody that was successful. So they were interrogating people who were just looking good. If you look good, if you had a little bit of a body to you, you look healthy, they kill you because you look good. So their mentality for war was at war. It was, it was not something that you want to come across. Um, when we approached um, one of the checkpoints after going through several of them, um, a, a girl uh, who was a child soldier, probably at, at the age of uh, my older sister at the time, about 11 or 12 years old, um, 11, 12 or 13 years old. Can't really remember. She was, she, uh, she was pretty rude. Um, she immediately approached my family um, in line as we were waiting and, and told us to get out of the line that she wanted to, to talk to my mom. Yeah, we, we all looked kind of funny. And, um, when she took us out of the line, of course, we were all afraid. You know, when they take you out of the line on the side, your interrogation is going to be a lot different than everybody else's. Um, so at this time, when she took us out of this line, she uh, started to accuse mom um, of uh, just pretty much belonging to a different tribal group that, that she really doesn't belong to. And my mom had a gap in in her teeth like you know just naturally by birth she had a little gap in her teeth and she accused mom um that because of that gap she belonged to a different tribal group than than she assumed that she 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 was part of so she all these senseless blames that she was blaming mom um you know she when mom tried to convince her otherwise she she wouldn't listen she decided that uh you know mom needed to get killed and we all started pleading for mom that, you know, don't take our mom away. You know, this is all we have. Um, and, of course, when there is begging and escalation to start to take place and the situation start to escalate, other rebels get involved. And, of course, they take the side of the rebel that's involved. So several men, several guys came in and just kind of pull us away from mom. And when we try to resist they ultimately uh, asked mom. They told her, you know, here's the here's the, here's the chance. Here's the only decision. Um, either you choose, um, which life are you going to choose? Either we kill you, or we kill your kids and you live. You just choose between the two. So pretty much, she had to choose whether or not we will live, um, or she live and we die. And no mother. In any position, uh, we choose for her kids to die and they live. Um, so she chose to get taken to a killing field only because of that accusation that she potentially belonged to a different tribe and that she was lying. She wasn't saying the truth. Um, mom was taken away from us um, at that moment and our life totally changed in the split of a second. We felt like we were dead. Um, and then now I understand why a lot of these kids have weapons. A lot of these kids have uh, made the decisions to fight because during that moment, I felt hopeless 
we all felt hopeless because mom again was that beacon of hope that we had. But when she was made um, to make that, that tough decision, she left um, us alone with our older sister, um, who was 11 years old, you can imagine, with my little brother who was uh, only two years old. And they took her to a killing field to, uh, to murder her. And when they, uh, they literally dragged her out of our hands and uh, um, tortured her all the way up to that killing field. And when she got there, they took all her clothes off uh, to, to pretty much to shoot her. And I guess typically they would take the, the person who's going to die. We'll need the clothes anyway. So they take the clothes off and they use the clothes. They pretty much, you know, harvest the clothes. So when they took mom to this killing field, um, right before the shot mom, mom is standing there and she's about to get killed. Um, mom closes her eyes and goes into her defined movement with God to have a conversation. And during that moment, she explained that um, she pretty much make a promise to God. And she says, God, if you will uh, spare my life, um, the child that stands in front of me does not know what they're doing. They don't understand the state of mind that they're in right now. If you will spare my life, I will become mother to children like this one day, I will come back to Liberia and take care of these kind of kids who have lost their parents. Because if I lose my life, my kids will become this monster that's in front of me. That was her prayer to God. Um, and when she said that prayer, even though she was pretty much feeling like she had this out-of-body experience that she was already dead, because more than likely, if your clothes are off and you're standing in front of a child, with an AK-47, you are going to be killed. Um, but God works in mysterious ways. As this was taking place, um, my little sister, who was five years old at the time, um, we were all in dismay. We were all, we already started to leave. We were forced to leave. And of course, we didn't know where to go. Um, as we walked away, we, we weren't even paying attention to each other. You know, we were just, our world was upside down. But my little sister, um, with tremendous courage, escaped from us. And we didn't even we did not know she escaped from us. She escaped from us to go find where mom was. And it was her escape from us that God divinely put her in the right place and showed her where mine was. When she finally um when and found mom, mom was just about to be shot. She raced through the rebel crowd and runs and hugged mom and just literally grabbed her really tight. Mom was still confused at this point. She never knew what was going on. And she, all she heard was voices. And she was, my little sister was telling her, mom, mom, why are you naked? What's going on, mom? Are they going to kill you? What's happening, mom? You know, and of course, at that moment, um, they're both standing there, and this becomes a scene that the rebels can't resist but to to become emotional. <laughs> Imagine that, uh, you know, rebels who are fierce killers um, becoming emotional of this scene. Of, but that, that did not mean mom was off the hook. But that was the beginning of, 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 of 
of the the uh, this the her escape from that room. Mm-hmm. As that took, yeah, go ahead. You want to say something? Well, I, I just you know I. The rest of this is in the book, and I want people to to read this book. So, so, but the promise, the promise she made, she has fulfilled. Man, it's 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 just breathtaking when I think about um, what has gone on, what what she's done. You know, God gave her a chance. When God gave you a chance, and you make a promise to God, (laughs) He 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 listens to that, Uh, and this is what happened. But. I hope you get a chance to get the book to read the rest of that story because believe me, for her to leave that room was another hurdle. Mm-hmm. But um, it was it was a hurdle that God had planned all the way through. You just got to get the book and read it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, <laughs> but, uh, absolutely. Her promise to God, um, you know, is one that as as I read the book, I just kept asking myself, "Wow, mom, wow." Um, was I would come back and take care of kids like this because she saw something that nobody in that situation would see. If anything, they would hate kids because of what <laughs> those kids were putting them through. But mom saw that these kids were innocent, that uh, an 11-year-old that is vicious about killing somebody is not normal. Um, so her promise to God to go back to Liberia and take care of these kids, God gave her a chance to do that. And uh, one day, you know, after the escape, after we finally escaped Liberia, came to the United States, mom went back to school, became a nurse. And she was already a nurse then, but she had to go back to school again here because uh, they wouldn't accept her degree Mm -hmm. from Liberia. Mm -hmm. So she went back to school, became a nurse. Uh, We bought a house, pretty much had the American dream, starting life all over again. Um, But... What was amazing is that one day they were laying there in their house uh, and mom woke up at night and said, you know, I made a promise to God that when the war is over, I will go back and take care of kids who lost their parents. And my dad was, is, is her champion. She, you know, she, she is, he's her cheerleader. And he said, you know what, what do we, what can we do to do that? We, we've got a house, we've got a family here now and, Mom was like, you know, uh, I'm willing to to leave everything um, to venture back to Liberia and God will take care of us. So today, uh, mom and dad have uh, gone back to Liberia and they've they've been there um, since the war was over and started to take kids who lost their parents. Um, Most of these kids were literally dying on the street corners when they picked them up. they have 44 kids, 44 kids that they're able within their financial budget to take care of right now um, that are living with them. And these aren't orphans. I wouldn't even say orphans, even though they've lost their mom and dad, but they have fused together. Mom and dad have made it so that they feel like this is home for them. So they have 44 kids that live with them right now that uh, they're not just taking care of these kids like uh, like orphans. They're taking care of these kids like they took care of me and my siblings. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are mother and father to these kids. This is like a, a big family that we've grown uh, in Liberia now. So that's that's what they enjoy doing today, you know, as as much as um, that the support is needed for them to to really have a 
a much more vibrant home, but they are they're sacrificing everything in order to take care of these kids. Okay, so stop right here. Give us the website. If somebody wants to help support this effort to raise these children, what do they do? But there are several things. Um, I have an organization called Save More Kids, uh, but there, there's um, th- that website is still in the process. It's probably going to be launched by next week. So if you will note, savemorekids.org, that's S-A-V-E-M-O-R-E-K-I-D-S.org. But if you wanted to get involved right now with this home and really support the initiative of this home, there's a, another organization that is called Halo, My Halo Project. If you go to my my Halo H A L O Project dot uh, dot org, that's um, that's uh, a website that you can be able to to get involved immediately right now if you wanted to uh, to to get involved with it. Um, and it, it's actually it's my Halo Project dot com not dot org dot com. Okay. All right. All right. And we'll make sure that one too is uh, posted as a part of the um, the show notes. So, um, Q, this this whole thing led to a book, and the book um, is still in publication, or um, you're working on on publication for it. Um, you were kind enough to share an advanced copy with me, and I could not put this book down. One, because the book itself contains just these exquisite photographs of children. And, you know, you've captured in those photographs, you've captured so much that cannot be described in words of the just the the state of each child and who they are and interspersed throughout your own story in the book are the stories of these children and children who no one ever asked them where they came from before. You've done such a, just such an incredibly powerful um, testimony to the experiences of children after war. You're listening to the Voice America Variety Channel. Stay tuned. Are you ready to make a change in your life? Would you like to discover the hidden obstacles to your success? Mary Beth Lodge is a certified life coach with a proven track record of guiding others to success. Drawing on mind-body techniques and concepts of neuroscience, Mary Beth will design a program specific to your goals, lifestyle, and personality. You'll develop a specific action plan to follow. You'll learn practical and easy strategies to move through your obstacles and reach your goals. You decide the area to focus on. Is it your weight, your health, or your professional goals? Mary Beth Lodge is a life coach, hypnotist, and health consultant. She specializes in working with people who are confused, frustrated, or discouraged by the direction of their life. She works with people who really want to make a difference in this world and are willing to take the actions to achieve their goals. She'll help you get clear on where you want to be and to follow through on the actions that lead to a healthier and more successful life. Visit LastingLifestyleChange.com to request more information or a free consultation. 
Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to What Matters with Mary Beth Lodge. To be a part of our discussion on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to marybethlodge at gmail.com. Now, back to What Matters. Good morning. Thank you for joining me this morning on What Matters. Our guest is Q McCarmieu, and he is the author of a book called Witness, uh, Q, you've been sharing with us just some incredibly powerful information about your experiences as a child uh, during the onset of the Civil War in Liberia and also the incredible work that your mother has done since then in recovering the children um, of that Civil War. You went back, and the, the whole reason this book exists is because you went back at her invitation, tell us about that. Yeah, um, I was in the middle of my uh, of my master's program here at uh, East Tennessee. I graduated from uh, Savannah College of Art and Design, and I, I was kind of in transition to move to Tennessee uh, to do my master's. And uh, and my mom made an invitation for me. She's like, uh, you know, uh, uh, I would love for you to come back with me to Liberia um, if you can. And I was. I couldn't even, at that point, like the mention of Liberia and me going back was just, it did not come together. I was like, uh, no, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, it's not happening. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that scare was there, you know, that, that just all the stuff that we had to see uh, was, was you know, even though it, it was a country that was distanced to me, this was not going to be something I was going to go back to even think about mm-hmm. um, existing there. <laughs> so, uh she was like, you know, you, sh- you should really come because I, I think um, it- it'll be good for the work that we got to do. And-, and your creative nature of doing things might help. And you might see things differently. And, of course, then I became open-minded. Coming from mom, when mom said do something, you just do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, I-, I took the trip, and she, she paid for me to go. Um, and I'll tell you, that's the best thing that- that's-, that's happened to me. Um, I will say, just as a human being, you know, um, going to Liberia for the first time, getting off those planes, uh, feeling that hot air just hit me, um, and the memories juggling through my head, just, just, it, it was incredible just going back to, to, to that experience now and thinking about it. Um, but, Perhaps the most incredible part about going back to Liberia was being a creative individual as I am. I'm a, I'm a graphic designer now. Um, I've always been into art and I, in many ways, art is the one that really, um, liberated, I would say my, my spirit from this craziness that took place because I had, I dug myself into art when I came here and sought after it like, like it was food and, you know, something happened to me when I got to Liberia. My creative nature of, of looking at things was different. Um, I saw humanity at a different level. I saw people who had a, who, firsthand individuals, kids who survived this war, but you could see the scars all over the place. You see the scars of the war, what the war had done to people. Um, 
all over the faces of these kids, of these of families, of people just um, who have who had gone through this process. And it was like being jerked back into time. What would have happened to me if I did not have the chance to escape Liberia? And 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 that's but so I had my camera with me, so that that became my tool to document firsthand what I saw. And this is how the books you really you know came into into power right now because of of, of those documentaries. Mm-hmm. You know my personal walk and and. And really, my my free art spirit to go out in the community and shake hands and talk to people, and they allow me to 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 take that picture, and and um, it became part of a, a, a documenting process that the book you know has in it has, that's in the book right now. I mean, you did. It wasn't just the photographs. You asked each child mm-hmm. what happened to them. And you've included that. And I, I love the format of how this book is laid out. And I hope that when it makes it to final publication, it's still in that way. Because you intersperse your story and theirs. Yeah. Um, so, um, you know, it, it does a couple of things. One, it, it keeps us connected to those children. But also it... It allows us to kind of move in and out of the emotion so that it's not so intense that that the reader has to put it down and go away for a while. And it actually makes it much more compelling. And the other thing you do in this book, which I just adored, was that you intersperse kind of a, a philosophical perspective. You keep looking at kind of the bigger picture of this of you know what this means for society, what this means for the Liberian society, how if these children are never recovered, if they're never brought out of the this hardship that resulted from the war, that they cannot be productive for the country, for the community, for the world. And and you keep the reader attached to all of that. As you write, um, ordinarily, um, if I'm prepping for a show, I would rapid read the book and I would grab the concepts. I couldn't do that with your book. I had to read every single word. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Thank you. <laughs> so, you know, I guess I, I want you to talk a little bit about that philosophy, about, you know, the kind of the reflections that you had on um, what what ifs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I tell you, this is like I said. If you write in a book before, you had to think a lot. You had to put a lot of yourself into it. It's almost like um, going to jog, going to run. When when you're done running a ten mile race, you sweat, and that's what happened to me when when I was done with this book. I started to sweat mm-hmm. because a lot of my inner ability, my thinking, who I am, is interjected in this book, and I, I think. What you're saying is 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 accurate because what happened was as I was writing this book, I wanted to talk about my experience coming across these kids for the first time. Every child that I came across had an impact on me because these kids they weren't begging me for anything other than look, I want an education, I want to thrive. I've I've, I've never had this experience before. 
I saw in their eyes. So every experience that I documented in this book has to do with kids that I've come across or stories that have well inspired by uh, other kids who I came across that I couldn't uh, document a picture or something like that. Um, so all that gobbled into into how the book is interlaced. Of course, I'm telling my story as uh, as an artist, and also telling my story as uh, somebody who has experienced this this dramatic um, lifestyle, and then try to mingle it all with other children's experiences as well. So whenever I, I came across a child who um, had who were going through a, a situation, I, I sat on the floor with them. If they were sitting on that floor, I sat right there next to them and talked to them, and and really came down to earth to them. And in many cases, a lot of these kids saw that as being very inspiring because it's not too many people and too many grown-ups that will go to that level and show them that they care for them. And so I just decided that um, if I wanted to feel their humanity, I needed to get out of my comfort zone. I needed to come down to earth to them. Mm-hmm. And um, that's kind of what happened. You know, I, I, I was given the stories because I, I decided I wanted to go down to that position, whether they were they were sitting on the floor somewhere or they were just hanging out on the streets. Oftentimes, I got in trouble with mom and dad in Liberia, believe me. <laughs> I, I, I still get in trouble with mom and dad. As an um, adult. As an adult. <laughs> um, and, uh, and they would, they would yell at me for, for being too, 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 um, um, much out of, trying to get out of my comfort zone. They have set up a safe haven in this home for 44 kids. But outside this home was decaying. There were kids outside his home that 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 would line up all the way on the fence. This home is surrounded by by big white gates, um, and the kids outside this this home would come to the windows of this home, and they would peek in and, and just listen to conversation that kids are having that, that that the kids that live in this home are having because they 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 have, they, have, they have become normal now they have become kids who um came from from wall to kids who who have an opportunity to thrive so as i'm of course paying attention to all this stuff mom and dad are so busy trying to contain 44 kids that most of the time they're not paying attention to everything else so i'm there to pay attention to everything else I started to go out in the community and I started to, to meet other children. I started to, to, to commune with them. And, um, and they started to open up to me. And the stories in this book are really not the stories of the 44 children within the home that your parents have made. No, that's another story. <laughs> these, right. These are the stories of the children who are outside the gates. That's right. Who are still on the streets. And who still do not have an advocate or a champion for them? Well, um, in many ways, they did not have an advocate or a champion, but because of the book, they do now. (laughs) Because of the book, they do now. Their voices, I'm hoping, will be heard. And that's why I started uh, Save More Kids. Mm -hmm. Because Save More Kids, as it sounds, is really there to be a champion. For those kids who are outside this home and to also highlight, continue to highlight the kids that are in this home. So Save More Kids empowers me to continue to, to live out a witness 
to live out that dream of, of going out there and documenting the life of kids who are going through situations around the world who who are lacking that support system. So Save More Kids is, is going to allow me to, to get out there and, and really do continue my witness of, of, of these situations and inspire kids and show them that somebody all the way across the ocean cares for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all right. And that, that's kind of what I want to do. And, and, and in, in, in doing Save More Kids, I also provide opportunities for the government to pay attention to the needs that are there that need to be fulfilled and for other organizations to get involved. Mm-hmm. So Save More Kids is, is, is like a big media platform that document the life of kids um, in these communities and, and turn it over, turn the opportunity over to organizations who are passionate about doing something about these kids. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because my, my, my motive is if, if I wasn't there to write this book, a lot of people would not know these kids today. That's so right. if, I'm, if I'm not there to document the life of these kids who are struggling with, with a school system or who are struggling with, with not having any bathrooms in their community, uh, then organizations that build schools, that build bathrooms, that, that cater to the needs of kids would not know that this situation exists. Mm-hmm. So my whole plan here is to be able to, to do just that, is to expose more of this and become inspiring to these kids so that they can um, uh, change the course of their life. Okay, Q, one more time. We have just one minute left. Give us the websites again, both of them. Okay. Um, Save More Kids will be up very shortly. Um, it's called SaveMoreKids.org. And mm-hmm. uh, that's where you can get involved to, to help me continue to go out there to do what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Um, my Halo Project um, is uh, My Halo H-A-L-O project, P-R-O-J-E-C-T dot com is the direct uh, funding uh, source for the home right now. Um, there's one more I just want to throw out there that yes. my, my older sister and her husband have started. It's called Chef, um, C-C-H-E-F. Um, if you get a chance to look them up, that's, uh, that's uh, another um, organization that is going to hopefully help with the schooling that the CCH Educational Foundation is the mm-hmm. educational portion of trying to educate these kids. So those are all initiatives that are being fostered right now for the home. All right. Thank you so much, Q. Thank you for sharing this story with us and with our listeners. And now, please, please, please take this information, put it into action today. Thank you so much. Go out there. Make it a great day. You truly deserve it. Thank you for that. Thanks again for joining us for What Matters. Be sure to tune in again next Wednesday morning at 6 a.m. Pacific Time, 9 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll help you continue to make a difference next week.